0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. As Pastor Steve said, my name is Austin Wellhausen. I'm a son of this congregation. I grew up going to church here my whole life. I went to grade school here, and as always, it's really great to be back here. I see a lot of familiar faces, and just a lot of great memories in this place. It's always a great time to be back here at St. John. I just finished my second year of school at Concordia Seminary, St. Louis. I'll, I start my vicarage, my internship. In about a month, in the beginning of August, my wife Claire and I will be in St. Louis, and uh, we're really thrilled to be at the church we're at. Actually, the, we'll be at a, another St. John, St. John in own Missouri. So my experiences with St. John are pretty good, so we look forward to a lot of great things to come there. We've been in the middle of this series on the Sermon on the Mount, and this is a great thing to talk about because whether you've been in the Christian faith for a long time or maybe you're kind of new to this, you're probably familiar with at least a few of the things that Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount. So as always, it's really great to broaden understanding and get a a closer look at what Jesus has to say to us today. And if you're paying attention to our gospel message, you know that the point of today's sermon is to love our friends, yes, but also to love our enemies. Right now I want to invite you guys to have a Bible handy. It could be a hard copy in the pew in front of you. Maybe on your phone you want to use your Bible app, that's fine because in a little bit, we're going to, as I said, get our hands a little dirty, and uh, we're really going to dive into the Word and see what Jesus has to say to us today. But before we do that, I want to invite you guys on a little case study, a little social experiment with me this morning. There's a pastor by the name of Leonard Sweet. I think he's in the Methodist tradition. He's fairly prominent in Christian circles. He speaks at a lot of events. He's written a few books. And what he did, and what I decided to do, is I went on the search engine Yahoo and I wanted to see how Christians are doing these days at loving the people around us. So I went to Yahoo and I typed in, why are Christians so blank? And if that picture could uh, come up, please. So if you know how these search engines work, similar to Google, the rest of the sentence is automatically generated by the frequency of the things being searched, okay? So what hopefully, according to Jesus, hopefully what comes up is why are Christians so loving? Why are Christians so kind, compassionate, forgiving? Hopefully that's what comes up. But uh, let's see the next picture and see what actually came up. Let's see, we have why are Christians so ignorant? Why are Christians so stupid, so judgmental, hateful, mean, intolerant, and annoying? Apparently, what the world thinks about us is a lot different than what Jesus says we should be like. Now, I did this experiment because I believe that this really emphasizes the need for us to hear God's message to us today. You know, in Christian circles, we we hear a lot, and I heard a lot growing up about how we're supposed to love people. And that sounds like a really great message. But apparently, we're not really living that out in our lives. You know, if we're going to talk the talk... We've got to walk the walk, and our walking hasn't really caught up to our talking, has it? I think this is maybe best summarized in Gandhi, the Hindu philosopher, his quote on Christianity. He once said that, you know, I like your Christ, but I don't like your Christians. So with all this in mind, now's a chance we're, we're going to take some time to explore God's word, explore what Jesus has to say, and hopefully we can try to get a deeper understanding about what he's trying to get us to do. So, now I'd like to invite you to grab your Bible that you have next to you, and uh, we're going to take some time and go through the Word here. Now, what you'll notice as you're going through the Word here is there are three separate commands Jesus gives us today, okay? But they're all interconnected. And we're going to go through and we're going to read each of these commands. I'm going to go ahead and paraphrase here. I'm working with ESV, so it might be a little bit different translation than what you guys have out there, but uh, we're going to go ahead and do that starting starting at Matthew 5, verse 21. Okay, with our first command. Jesus tells us, You've heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder, you shall not kill. But I tell you, anybody who is angry with his brother, anyone who insults his brother, will be liable to judgment. You should not want to live in conflict with your loved ones, but rather you should love your brothers and your friends. Okay, so our first command, you know, really isn't too bad. It, it, it's pretty simply, you know, we should love our brothers, we should love our friends, we should love our loved ones. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, I I think we'd all agree that, I mean, it it takes effort. You know, those relationships take time. They take work. But overall, I mean, that's not too hard, right? I mean, that's a comfortable thing. Those relationships, those friendships, those are rewarding. So our first command of loving our loved ones, I mean, that's really not too bad. Okay, now we're going to move on to our second command, which begins at verse 38. All right, Jesus, he's talking about retaliation. He's talking about revenge. And he says, you have heard that it was said an eye for an eye, and a tooth for a tooth. But I'm telling you, don't do harm to the the one that hurts you. Rather, think about how you can best serve him. This is a little bit more challenging than just loving our loved ones, right? Now this moves us to our final command, which is our focus for today. Jesus says, starting at verse 43, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. See, what began as something fairly easy, just loving our loved ones, that's turned into something pretty difficult. Actively loving our enemies. What I find interesting in these three commands that Jesus gives us, you know, they're all a little bit different, but I do think they're interconnected. And with these three commands, I think Jesus, I think he's trying to teach us two things. Okay, two things. The first thing is he's defining who our brother really is. Okay, he's defining who our brother really is. So what began is just, you know, loving our friends, loving our brothers, our loved ones, and then that turned into loving our enemies. But I think what he means by brothers and enemies, I, I think that's one and the same thing. Okay, I, I think Jesus is defining our brothers by anybody and everybody that God has placed around us. One of my seminary professors, named Dr. Jeff Gibbs, he's a a great man. He wrote a commentary, actually, on this passage. And as I was reading through it, I I was surprised that he really emphasized and noted Jesus' use of the word Father. Okay, Jesus' use of the word Father, which is found in verse 45. And we're going to go ahead and read what, what he says there. That's starting at verse 43. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies... And pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and he sends rain on the just and on the unjust. So, you know, we know in our own lives we, we want to please our fathers, we want to please our parents. And Jesus is telling us if we want to please, you know, our ultimate father, we need to love our loved ones. You know, what's also curious about this too is, you know, we just confessed in the Apostles' Creed. You know, we believe in God, the Father, almighty, maker of heaven and earth and all things. So if God is our Father, which we we confess, we just did, what does that make, like, all that six, you know, seven billion people on earth? I think that makes them our brothers and sisters, right? So regardless of our feelings about them, even if they may believe different things than we do, maybe they don't believe in God, maybe they like to be called enemies of Christians, does that still make them our brothers and sisters? Yeah, it still does. You know, we're, we're probably all familiar with the Good Samaritan parable found in Luke chapter, chapter 10. But why does Jesus say that parable? He says it because he's answering a Jewish, Jewish lawyer's question, who is my neighbor? Or putting the question another way, he's answering a Jew's question, who is the person that I need to serve? And obviously the, you know, the Jews and the Samaritans, they were the worst of enemies. They couldn't stand each other. But that didn't matter to Jesus. Jesus is saying that, you know, your brother, the person you need to love, the person you need to serve, is anybody and everybody that I've placed around you. Okay, so first, Jesus tells us our brothers are anybody and everybody God has placed around us. But the second thing he teaches us in this passage is that we are not actually capable of loving our brothers like this. We're going to read the last three verses of our passage, starting at verse 46. Jesus tells us, For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Don't even the Gentiles, don't even the pagans do the same? You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. You must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. No, I think this is pretty evident that we're not perfect. Right? I mean, I, I think our actions, our conversations, we're a lot similar to everybody else out there. You know, we have our, our close circle of friends and family, and that's fine. But there's a pretty big difference in the way we treat those people and the way we treat our, our enemies. You know, I, I, in Jesus' teachings, it's pretty clear that, you know, there's something that's supposed to be different about us. Earlier in Matthew, Matthew chapter 5, Jesus talks about the salt of the earth and how Christians are supposed, supposed to be the light of the world. There's something that's supposed to be different but we act just like everybody else. We treat our friends with love, and we treat our enemies with hate. We're not perfect. You, there's a big problem with the way we live our lives, and if anything, I think what we saw on Yahoo is, is pretty clear that you know, we're, we're not walking the way Jesus wants us to walk. Uh, the president of my university, he's the guy, a guy by the name of Dale Meyer. He worked on the Lutheran Hour for a lot of years. Maybe you guys are familiar with him. A man I have a lot of respect for, He gave a message in one of our weekday chapel services, and uh, I I think he really hit the nail on the head as to why Christians struggle with this so much. So President Myers stood up in front of the seminary community, uh, students and faculty, some of these guys, I mean, you know, they're fluent in biblical Hebrew and Greek. They know the Bible inside and out. I mean, they, they know their theology. But he stood up in front of them, and he says, oh, how easy it is to get the gospel here, But how hard is it to get the gospel here? I mean, we we get the gospel up here. You know, we we know John 3.16 up here, For God's love of the world, he gave his one and only Son, whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. That's here, right? What is it, here? I mean, does it actually affect our our conversations and our connections? Does it actually affect the way we live? And I think too often the answer is no. See, the greatest thing about Jesus wasn't his teachings. All right. There's a lot of people, a lot of non-Christians, a lot of Hindus, Muslims. They will say what Jesus taught was great. I mean, that's really good. It, that's Jesus' teachings. That's not what made him great. What made him great is that he actually lived that out in his life, and he lived that out ultimately on the cross for us. When he's being, you know, slandered and cursed on the cross, he doesn't. He doesn't curse them back. He doesn't condemn them. No, he prays for them. When he's being beaten and whipped and scorned and nailed to a cross, he doesn't throw one punch back. But he takes it all because he loves us. He loved us. In other words, because he, he loves his enemies. I mean, before he died and rose for us, we were his enemies. One of Paul, Apostle Paul's most famous verse in Romans, Romans chapter 5, verse 8, he says, God shows his love for us in this and that while we were still sinners... Christ Jesus died for us. Or put it another way, while we were still his enemies, Christ Jesus died for us. He didn't love us because he had to. He didn't love us because we earned it. He didn't love us because he knew that, you know, once I, I die and save for these people, they're just going to go out doing everything I want them to do, and they're going to love and serve everybody they meet. No, in spite of all that, we, we didn't earn his love, in spite of the fact that we still fail, he, he just loved us. I mean, he, he simply loved us because he loves us. I want you guys to go out this week, uh, leave the church today, and think about someone in your life who needs the love of Jesus in their life. Okay, it could be a relative, it could be a coworker, it could be your boss, it could be a, a bitter enemy or a, a long-lost friend. I, I don't care. I just, just think about someone in your life who needs the love of Jesus in their life. And I want you to ask with God's help that he would help you share it with them. You know, I I believe that as time goes on, we start to become the things we do. And the Bible's pretty clear that, you know, it's not what we say that makes us, it's, it's things we do that makes us who we are. And if we start loving people with the love of Jesus, well, maybe we'll become a little bit more like Jesus ourselves. Please pray with me. Father God, you have loved us with a love unknown, an unconditional, uh, forever, continual kind of love, God. We thank you so much, God. We are not worthy of this gift. Uh, We're thankful that you are steadfast and holy and that you gave up your life for us. You gave up your life for your enemies, God. Allow this love to move us, not just in our minds, God, but in our hearts. Let it drive us as we go to work. Let it drive our conversations. Let it move us. Let it secure us, God, and let us just be... Just be secure, God, and just find our meaning and purpose in your love, God. The world is a very dark place, Lord, and as you tell us, we are the light of the world, and this world could show you some light, God. With your help and with your Holy Spirit, God, allow us to be the light that you once were in this world and still are today. Carry us to everlasting life, God, and we're thankful for all you've done for us. For it is in your name we pray. Amen.